Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. All right. We're leading up to Easter. How good um, is that? And for, for most people, um, we are on the Sunday night before the Easter weekend. Many uh, have been celebrating Lent, so for 40 days, um, you know, up until Good Friday, they actually, it's pretty much like a fast, but um, from the Sunday is actually what they call Holy Week. Holy Week, where it's basically the sense of we're preparing our hearts and our minds for the Easter weekend, right? I think when the best thing that you can do for your life is to do a little bit of preparation, how many of you know when you're going on a big holiday, um, my wife and I are actually going to Europe for five weeks in August and September, and it's going to be awesome. But how many of you know it will be an epic failure if we rock up in Europe in August for, with absolutely nothing planned? That will be very, very bad. So we are going through a little bit of prep at the moment to make sure that when the event comes, we are already flying. And I feel that the message that I want to bring tonight is just the sense of, hey, as we lead up to the next couple of days, what's the best way that we can prepare our mind and our heart for what God wants to do? Um, have you ever heard, uh, this is a side note, have you ever heard, um, you know, uh, maybe a preacher before they preach and they said, God woke them at 5 a.m. this morning and spoke to them clearly. And I was like, man, that has never happened to me in my life. In all the days that I was preaching, never happened. But guess what happened this morning? 5 a.m. I, I don't know if it was actually just daylight savings <laughs> or, or, if, or, if, or if God is moving, all right? So we'll see in the next couple of minutes if it, if it was Jesus. Um, hey, sorry, how good is Bethany Hannah? my goodness. Bethany Anna is amazing. You know, she's always been singing backing vocals. Oh, there she is. I'm looking over there. There's Bethany Anna over there. You know, she's just been singing backing vocals, so her voice has been disguised with the rest, you know. But man, leading at the forefront, my gosh. I, I reckon that's all ha- Andrew Hannah's singing jeans. That's what I reckon. That's all Andrew Hannah's singing jeans over there. All right, the title of my message is Easter is a time to. Easter is a time to. And I'm going to draw, normally when we come to um, the Easter weekend, you know, there's Good Friday, we focus on the death and resurrection. I mean, just the death and the burial, the crucifixion. Then come Sunday, you know, we talk about the resurrection. So dark, light, you know, and it's awesome. But I thought, you know what, just as we're leading, I, I thought I'd take five statements of Jesus that we can lean into to glean the wonder of Easter. And so the the verses will be on the screen for you um, as we go through. First point, Easter is a time to remember Jesus' selfless act. Easter is a time to remember Jesus' selfless act. And it says this in Mark chapter 14. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. That's his humanity coming through there. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. 
And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. As we approach this Easter week, this Holy Week, as we're getting ready to celebrate Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, let us recall that we have a selfless and sacrificial Savior. We have a selfless and a sacrificial Savior. You know what, as I was prepping this one point, I was like, what, what do I say? What, what can I bring out? And I went, wow, it's that simple that we have a selfless and sacrificial Savior. Hebrews 12 says, consider Him. Consider Him. So Jesus is always our example. You know, as we come around Easter, Easter's filled with a lot of social activities. You're gonna be with family. You're gonna be with friends. You're gonna be doing some awesome stuff over the weekend. But you know what? I want you to be so aware that, man, I am carrying Christ's character to my family. I'm carrying Christ's character to my friends. When I'm showing acts of uncommon love, I can demonstrate a selfless nature. I love this, that Jesus demonstrated total surrender. Total surrender, not to Himself, but to the Father's will. You know what, just personally, uh, these last few weeks, I've, there's some decisions that I wanted to make, that I've been wanting to make, and you know, looking for certain things, and all this kind of stuff. And as I was going through it, and as I was prepping, and the Scripture stood out to me, and I said, wow, I am totally unsurrendered to what God wants to do. And you know what, I've committed that for this next week, or whenever I make that decision, I'm going to be totally surrendered to the Father's will. Totally surrendered to the Father's will. As I told you, that point is going to be very quick. The second one is this, accept that we are different and that our lives have been totally changed. That if it's not for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we are totally unchanged. John 18, verse 33 to 36 says this, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Catch this. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. And he says again, but my kingdom is not from this world. What a powerful, powerful statement. He says that the way we live is totally different. You know what? I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old. <laughs> I grew up in uh, uh, South Africa. You know, I, I grew up in a fairly traditional um, Christian home. Uh, Easter was probably one of those times in the year that we actually went to church. Outside of that, probably um, not much. There was what happened in, in South Africa, a lot of people actually just commit to this, and I, don't, I think it's a, a bit of a Catholic belief, but it's basically we do not eat meat over Easter weekend. We only eat fish. <laughs> we only eat fish. And in South Africa, there's this thing called pickled fish which is the bit of the sauce that they make, and my wife doesn't like it, but there's a way that they, they make this pickled fish, and it's kind of like ham over Christmas, you know? For that entire weekend, that's all you're eating. Ham with salad, ham with bread rolls, 
ham with everything. And it's the same with picklefish. And I was this young kid growing up, I want fried chicken. I want fried chicken. That's all I wanted as a kid. And <clears throat> when, when I was 19 through, you know, I was, by that time I was a sports player. That was probably my main identity. And what do sports players like to do? They like to party. They like to party hard. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's what I did for a, a good amount of time. And when I was 19, through a variety of seeds that got sown into my life, I literally cried out to God and I said, Jesus, I need your saving grace. Literally, I need your saving grace. And I promise you, I got saved in my friend's house who got saved about six months before I did. Was totally transformed, not in a church service like this. In his bedroom, he prayed for me and he led me to the Lord just like that. Just like that. But here's the thing. The next day, totally transformed. <laughs> totally transformed. I, I couldn't, I, I can't give you a reason why. I, and to, when I say totally transformed, I mean like going this way and then like, phew, just like on a totally another trajectory, totally changed. Now going to church, doing all kinds of things, just following the Lord with all. I said, if I go hard for the devil, I'm going to go hard for Jesus. If I'm going to go hard for the devil, I'm going to go hard for Jesus. And I was just totally, totally transformed. And you know what? That, that, that scripture that I held on to during this time was Romans chapter 12. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove and you may test what is that good and perfect will of God. That word transforms literally means metamorphosis. A complete, complete transformation. You know, uh, Pastor Christy quoted uh, 2 Corinthians 5 this morning, and we, we love the script. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That new creation, is, it's an unprecedented species. <laughs> and I love this, a form that has never, never previously existed. So don't be surprised when people tell you you are new. Why do you look so different? Why don't you go on benders anymore? <laughs> so you're telling me that on a Sunday night, when it's cold, you're in the house of God. 100%. 100%. Why? Because I've been totally transformed by the goodness of God. And in that point, I, I use the specific word accept because as I was going and totally transformed, going on this journey and just like, wow, just God totally using me, transforming my life. They got to the stage where I try to explain or justify why I'm that different. I try to explain and justify why I'm not the same as you. But the thing is, you just got to go with it. There's sometimes people go, oh, why are you so different? It's the power of God. It's the power of God in my life. I love this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. And it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
I love this picture that Peter paints. It's almost semi-paradoxical. I find it a bit oxymoronic where he's actually saying that you are completely different. This life that you're living, this one of the King James Version says you are peculiar people. You are a strange people. You are a odd people. But yet at the same time, it is appealing enough, it is compelling enough to call out an invitation to the masses. To say, hey, even though it's different, even though it's weird, even though it's strange, you are welcome. <laughs> you are welcome to enter the same life of transformation with Jesus. Why? Because when we enter, it's not just about a religious tradition. It's not just about coming to church on a Sunday, but there is a God who gives life. I love the picture on the cross. It said, where was Jesus? There were three, two on the side, two criminals. Where was Jesus? Right in the middle. Because that's where Jesus will transform you. He'll hit you right in the middle. He'll come right in the center. He'll come right in the center of your friendships. He'll come right in the center of your purpose. He'll come right in the center of your job. He will come right in the center of who you follow on Facebook. <laughs> I was sitting in a cafe. I was having breakfast with my wife the other morning. There was a, uh, two girls sitting next to us. They were close friends. They were in their early 20s, maybe 23, 24. And obviously they started talking about, who are you seeing? I'm dating this guy. I met this guy. I met that guy. And um, <laughs> the, one, the one girl started talking, oh, I met this guy. You know, he's quite a nice person and so forth. Um, <laughs> and then... Eventually, the girl turned over and she said, oh, you know, how did you guys meet? And how do you guys chat? And she, was, and she said, oh, you messaged me on Facebook. And she went, eww. <laughs> Who uses Facebook? Anyway, I found, I found that so funny. I was sitting next to them going, I use Facebook. I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm maybe not that cool. But Jesus was right in the middle. It's a total picture that he totally transforms you. He doesn't come for your religious form. You know, maybe there's other denominations or anything like that, but Jesus comes for your heart, just like Jackson says. He comes straight for where the main priority is. When we accept this, when we embrace the fact that we've been totally transformed, it gives us grateful hearts. We go, wow, Jesus, you saved me. Wow, out of all my friends, I have, I have, I have friends that have gone into be on drugs. I've gone, I have friends who live lives totally void of God. But wow, God, you, you chose me. You chose me. Yeah. It strengthens our faith. We go, wow. Because yeah. that's, that's your testimony. Yeah. That's the word of your testimony. And the more you meditate on that and embrace that, it actually strengthens our faith. And then, it, as I said, it allows us to welcome people to share in God's story. The third thing we can do as we prepare for Easter is declare that it is finished. Declare that it is finished. John 19, verse 28 to 30 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, To fulfill the scripture, I thirst. I'm thirsty too. <laughs> a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, it, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I love that. It is finished. There's something relieving when you are able to say, it, it is finished. You know, maybe you set out to do a marathon. Um, you know, my friend Matt Green over there has done numerous marathons. I'm sure he said, it is finished a number of times. 
Um, maybe you finished your uh, university degree recently and graduated. I think you actually posted and said it is finished. Did you say it is finished? Chris Breen? Anyway, he said it is finished for his, uh, you know, when I get back after a golf game after five hours, my wife goes, thank God, it is finished. When we have a big date night out and our reservations for 7.30 and I'm on the couch at 7.25 and my wife comes out with her hair and makeup done, I go, it is finished, thank God. <laughs> I got a approval to say that, by the way. <laughs> but the, the word for it is finished there is tetelestai, that's the Greek word, and means to bring to an end to complete, to accomplish. This word doesn't just talk about survival. It's not like, oh my gosh, it is finished. No, it is when the intended purpose has been reached. When the intended purpose has been reached. So when Jesus, even in his faintness, when he said it is finished, he said the grand master plan of God, the redemption of humanity to the Father. The Bible says that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So the redeeming plan of God is working through the ages. And Jesus reaches a definitive point and he says, Tetelestai, it is finished. The work has been done. But the best thing about this word, Tetelestai, is that it's not past tense or future tense. It is actually what they call perfect tense. Perfect tense. So it is complete. Yes, one, it is finished. Thank you but it is ongoing with full effect. So when Jesus said it is finished, He didn't just say the work has been done. He said my work, my death, my burial, my resurrection on the cross is gonna pay its price throughout all humanity for all generations. So the church tonight doesn't exist because we decided to come together. Because a bunch of Christians said, okay, we're going to gather in Stapleton Avenue in Sutherland. And that's why the church existed. No, friend, the church exists because there was a Savior. There was the man who gave his life on the cross who said, and his work has reverberated through the generations for ages. <clears throat> when you start using the word declaration, declare. Some people get very skeptical, you know. Theologically, ooh, declare, ooh, you're just telling me I say something and it happens? No, it's not what it means. <laughs> There's confess, you can use it in two ways. You can confess your sins, you sit in a booth, Lord, please forgive me, it's confession. <clears throat> There's another word, homologio. That just basically means to agree with God. To say the same thing as what God will say. And in this book, God has already said, He's laid out His promises. So when I say we declare that it is finished, we are basically agreeing with what the Word of God says. I'm not trying to reach into something that doesn't exist outside of this book. All I'm doing is declaring what God has already laid out for us. So there's a few things we can declare this week, and I want you to lay hold of one or maybe just feel what is closest to you. Sin and its power is finished. The penalty of sin, the power of sin, the judgment of sin, totally removed because we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Guilt and condemnation, it's finished. Shame and the pain of your past, 
it is finished. I, I love that when um, Jesus reappeared to his disciples after his resurrection, he appeared through the doors. They said they were scared because the doors were locked and phew, Jesus appears <laughs> through the doors. Hey guys, I'm here. <laughs> and Jesus does something very interesting. He says, Thomas, doubting Thomas, he says, look at my hands. They still pierce, feel my side. It's still there. But what did that, what did that demonstrate? That the pain of the past didn't affect him. It was there, you could see it. But, it, but its sting wasn't the same. Bondage is finished. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Despair is finished. We have abounding hope in Jesus Christ. Loneliness is finished. Why? Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that allowed us to come in close. Anxiety is gone. The Bible says the chastis- he was the chastised when they brought us peace. So I love that. You know what? As we enter this week, don't, don't enter it bowed over. Entered in with a strong sense of victory that he has paid. Point number four. You guys still there? Still hanging on? Yeah, all right. We'll see that 5 a.m. wake up is still going okay. Um, Point number four. We can use this week to check if our heart is still burning. We can use this heart this week to check if our heart was still burning. I laughed this morning, Pastor Christy, when you started prophesying the fire of God because I was like, I was thinking about this point. So in Luke chapter 24, we see this incredible story. Um, It's titled, The Walk to Emmaus. And we see two disciples named Simon and Cleopas. Simon and Cleopas. If anybody's looking for baby names, Cleopas is my recommendation to you. Cleopas, amen. So Simon and Cleopas are walking on this road. And remember, at this time, the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty, so they are absolutely perplexed. Because you remember, the Jewish people actually believed that Jesus was the Savior. This was the one that we put our hope in, but now he's gone. And they're walking on this road, and like I said, Jesus appears. Hey guys, I'm here. You know, and, but it says that he was dis, uh, disguised from seeing them. They didn't recognize him. So Jesus acts totally dumb, totally dumb. He goes, oh, what's, what's, what's wrong with you guys? And they're like, Have you, are you the only one that hasn't heard what has happened in Jerusalem? He goes, no, tell me about it. <laughs> and I'm just laughing because I'm like, wow, Jesus, sense of humor. He's just going, no, absolutely tell me about it. And he starts going, wow, this was the Savior in whom we had put our hope in. We thought He was the one, you know, and, and, and they just playing this thing back and Jesus eventually gets frustrated. He goes, oh my gosh, you faithful and unbelieving people. But basically he's still hidden from them and he keeps walking and he keeps chatting. They're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They just keep walking and keep chatting. And then eventually they rock up to Emmaus and they come to the house where they're supposed to be. And Jesus does what I like to call the imaginary mall phone call. Have you ever done the imaginary mall phone call where you see someone at the distance and they may be from high school or maybe you're not on good terms and you just pick up your phone and you start talking and like acting like they're not really there. Okay, no, it's it's just me. Okay, the imaginary mall phone call. No one else does it. But what it says was Jesus actually, it said that he, let me just read it. It said that he actually went on 
lost it. Oh, here we go. He, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther. He acted as if he was going farther. And I believe he did this. Why? Because there's a powerful message in here is that Jesus only comes in by invitation. He could have said, hey guys, I'm going to walk in. No, no, but they said, no, Jesus, you come in. And I believe that as we go through this week, it's an awesome time to invite Jesus in. And it said, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them so they had, com- they, they had communion. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And here's the verse. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures? Did our hearts not burn within us? I love to think that if they said, did our hearts not burn, that means they know what it's like for their hearts to be cold. And the powerful thing that I'm asking tonight is not, you know, our hearts burning, or, oh, you bad, you. No, I say this because we are in an awesome atmosphere. We are in an awesome environment where the grace of God is readily available and will set us on fire. Here's what I want you to catch. When did their hearts start burning? When did their hearts start burning? It says when He opened up the Scriptures to us. The Bible says that the walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus was seven miles. Seven miles. So they walked 11.26 kilometers with Jesus. And for 11.26, I've not even, I don't even think I've, walked 11 point, I didn't even know when last I've walked 11.26 kilometers. But they walked 11.26 kilometers and for 11.7 miles, Jesus is talking Scripture with them. Now I know that sounds awesome, but I'm sure there's some of us that will go, oh Jesus, this is a lot of Scripture for 11 kilometers. This is a lot of, because it says that from the book of Moses, from, the, from Moses' teachings and through the prophets, He told them everything about His death and resurrection and that He was the Savior of the world for 11 kilometers. Can you handle 11 kilometers of Scripture? That's the question. (laughs) But I think it reveals two powerful things. One, they were in close proximity to Him. It says they walked with Him all the way. The second thing is they listened to Him for seven miles. They let the Word of God minister to them for seven miles. Sometimes a scripture a day doesn't keep the devil away. Sometimes a little bit of a trinkle just won't do. If we really want our hearts to burn, yes, I know we're close, but sometimes we gotta walk with the Word of God. We gotta walk with the promises of God. We gotta walk with the voice of God for 11 kilometers. For 11 kilometers. 11 kilometers. Oh, that's a long time. Thank you, Lord. So as we lean into this week, we'll one, remember Jesus' selfless act. We'll accept that we are different and that our lives have been totally changed. We'll declare that it is finished to tell us die. Number four, we'll, we'll check if there's, if our heart is still burning. And the fifth one is pretty simple. We'll Embrace His gift of eternal life. 
will embrace this gift of eternal life. Luke 23, verse 39 to 43 says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. So he's almost in that phase where, because the context is people are just standing looking at the cross and absolutely mocking Jesus. They're just going, save yourself. You know, they put a crown on his head saying, oh, here's the King of the Jews. And there was total mockery. Everybody didn't believe he was the Saviour. It's kind of like when, when, you see, when you see a celebrity, you're like, is it Russell Crowe? Is it, yes, it's Russell Crowe. But this is a bit, this is like 10 times better. And he goes and he, this criminal goes, this is the Son of God. <laughs> this is the Saviour of the world. And he says this, he says, he recognised that he's the Saviour. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I love this verse. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today, not tomorrow, that's the power of salvation. Today, you will be with me in paradise. This is the good news of the gospel. I love what Timothy said. He said, this is a faithful and trustworthy saying that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Not just to save them from themselves or their sin or their past, but actually to give them one day a home in heaven. Church, what if we leaned into Easter a little bit different this year compared to how we have done it in the past? Amidst all the long weekend events and planning and Easter egg eating, what if we use this week, whether individually or as a community, to prepare our hearts for an incredible Easter weekend? Because we're ready. As a church, we are ready. We're ready to open our doors. We have two services on the long weekend. Friday and Sunday. I love what even Pastor Jess said this morning. There's an Easter egg hunt going on for the kids, but wow, they are ready to let Jesus become some people's best, best friend. But you know what? Even my wife and I have taken on a bit of a challenge this week. We said, you know what? Going into Easter, we generally, you know, try to prepare our hearts, but I said, no, we're going to just step it up another notch this week because when we come next week, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Can I ask you to stand to your feet tonight? just wherever you are. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you just like this man today. This criminal was on the left-hand side and he said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Maybe you came in with that, maybe you couldn't put it in those words, but maybe you had this, burning sense this morning or as you were going through this day, just like I had when I was 19 years old. I had a day in a moment. When I woke up in the morning, I said, today is the day I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. Maybe you had that resolve this morning and you came in here and you said, man, that's me. Today is the day I want to give my life to Jesus. And you know what? I'm gonna offer you some words and we're gonna pray this prayer together as a church. And I believe, believe me, friend, that when you confess Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that He's been raised from the dead, the Bible promises, promises that you will be saved. You will be saved. So everybody across the room, let's pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you love me 
I believe today that you died on a cross for me, that my sins may be forgiven, and that I may have a home in heaven with you. Today, give me a brand new start. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me completely new. Amen. Amen. If that is you, just in this next few moments, not many people looking around, I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'll just ask you, and I'll count to three, and I'll just ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, I'd love for you to put up your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, and you say, man, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Is anybody in this place? Thank you. I see that hand, man. Thanks, bro. So good. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome decision. What an amazing decision. If there's anybody else, I'll give it a few more seconds. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I pray for that amazing gentleman who raised his hand. Father, I pray that you will take him on an incredible journey, an incredible journey of your love, your embrace, and your complete acceptance. In Jesus' mighty name. So good. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.